The storm on the lake. It was a perfect day. The sky was blue. The lake too. And a gentle breeze whipped the wave tips white and foamy. Jesus sat at the side of the lake and talked to people about God. God is your father, he said. He dresses the flowers in beautiful colors. He makes sure the birds have enough to eat. Do you not think he can feed and clothe you too? So stop worrying your lives away and trust in him. When Jesus had finished teaching, he was tired. So he called his closest friends and together they piled into a boat and set off across the lake for home. Jesus yawned. He stretched. He laid his head down and, to the rhythm of the waves and the rocking of the boat, he fell asleep. It was the perfect end to a perfect day. But suddenly... The day was not so perfect. The sky turned black. The lake too. And a wild wind stirred the waves up tall and stormy. The boat rocked right. The boat rocked left. The boat rocked up. The, bo- the boat rocked down. The boat rocked so hard, in fact, that Jesus' friends were sure they would all drown. But Jesus slept right through it. Except for the odd snuffle and snore. <sighs> Jesus, his friends called at last. Jesus, wake up. We're all going to drown. So Jesus woke up. Then he sat up. Then he rubbed his eyes and stood up. It was all anybody could do to stay on their feet. But Jesus stood up. And then, very calmly, he said to the wind, Quiet now. And he said to the waves, Settle down. And they did. Then Jesus turned to his friends and said, You did not need to be frightened. You didn't need to worry. All you had to do was trust in me. See? Everything is calm. And so it was. The sky was blue. The lake too. And the little waves splashed happily at the side of the boat. It was the perfect day again. Look a bit dull. Oh, Oh. okay. Well, I hope you think that was a suitable story for Mother's Day. How often does everything start off feeling like it's going to be a perfect day? 
and then suddenly things start to go wrong. An argument erupts, dinner gets ruined, the dog is sick, stress levels rise, and suddenly a storm erupts, and the day is not so perfect. Or maybe Mother's Day is always a difficult or painful day for you, and the fact that everyone else seems to be having such a great day makes it even harder to bear. It's a fact of life, whatever our age or circumstance, that we're going to experience storms, just like the disciples did. Some storms might be like a heavy rain shower. Others will be like a force nine gale with a whole lightning and thunder thing going on. What is certain is that they will come. Being a Christian doesn't protect us from the storm. In fact, the Bible tells us to expect them to come. Often we can be like the disciples. They did the right thing at the beginning. They followed Jesus into the boat. They made sure that he was with them and they were with him. It had been a busy, tiring day, but it was ending very well. I guess as the storm clouds gathered that evening, they probably still felt okay. They were experienced sailors after all. They could handle a rough sea. But then suddenly it all got too much. They thought they were going to drown. They were totally out of control. They couldn't believe that Jesus was still asleep. They panicked. They let fear take over. Finally, they call out to Jesus and he intervenes. He speaks and calm is restored. The being with Jesus that evening for the disciples made a profound difference to the outcome for them. And I'm certain that experience early on in their time with him prepared them for things that were to come. So from experienced sailors to some experienced mothers, we're going to hear from three friends this morning who are going to come and tell us about their experience of Jesus being with them in the storms of life. So if I can ask Andre and Mandy and Iris, give them a round of applause because they're very nervous. They're going to come and sit and we need a microphone. Mandy's going to start. Good morning. Um, I'm Mandy. I've been coming here for a few years now. Um, I live in Matlock, uh, always lived in Matlock, although for a couple of years I did live at Darleydale, so I don't know if that counts or not. Um, I'm a teaching assistant and love working with children. I love my job. Um, I'm married to Michael. Um, I have a son, uh, Thomas, who's 31, and um, two foster lads who we'll hear about in a bit. I've had to uh, type this down because it's um, quite emotional for me. Um, And this is probably the first time I've spoken out loud um, about, not out loud to people, but to a group. So um, here goes. Um, When Pippa asked me uh, to share, I knew it had to be this story straight away. Um, God, you know, put it in my heart. I had to share it. Um, uh, my story starts when Thomas was two years old um, he's 31 now so it's quite a while ago um, actually I was 12 weeks pregnant with my second baby um, but things weren't going quite right um, didn't feel well 
went to the doctors. It was Friday the 4th of April, I can tell you the day, <laughs> um, who prodded and poked and decided that, you know, what he saw wasn't quite right. Um, I was admitted um, immediately to the uh, maternity hospital in Chesterfield and, um, again, prodded and poked and they, um, again, saw something that shouldn't be there um, but said, no, doc, don't worry, it's just a nodule, but did a biopsy there and then. And um, don't worry, you'll be fine, we'll keep you in for the weekend. Um, on the Monday, they sent me down for a scan, um, saw the baby, everything fine. But on the Tuesday, the specialist came round, and um, that's when the boat journey started, really. Told me, you have cervical cancer, and um, tomorrow we'll terminate your pregnancy. Um, Thursday, you'll see a specialist from Western Park, which is the cancer hospital in Sheffield. Friday, we'll transfer you there, and um, the following Monday, you'll start your treatment. Um, they actually told Michael um, that I had between six weeks and six months to live, but I wouldn't go past six months. I didn't know this till years later, and had to ask Michael last night if that's what really happened, but yes, he assured me that's right. But I didn't know that at all, and um, I suppose that's where Jesus was with me, really. That's where my peace was, um, because you hear people say that it's like you're in a dream or a different world, and you know, it's how things are happening around you. And, and it's true, really. You are. You, you're powerless. Um, it didn't occur to me that I could say to the doctors, I want to keep the baby. I, I want to wait and have treatment later. just didn't occur to me. Um, you just go along with things because that's how things was then. Um, it was amazing in hospital, really. Um, Michael always came with a smile on his face. He was brilliant. My family came. I saw Thomas most days. They were absolutely amazing. I had a Christian doctor and um, continued to worship, went to church while I was in church. It was a tough time, but I got through it. But like I say, right from the beginning, I had a peace. And it didn't occur to me that I was going to die. I didn't question my faith, and I think it, it really made me stronger. Um, I had lots of cards and well wishes, words of encouragement, which kept me going. People were praying for me all over the country, and that was really important to me. Um, it also made me feel very humble that so many people cared. It took me a long time to come to terms with the fact that I couldn't have any more babies as part of my treatment. That was it. I was 23 at the time. Um, but of course, God's got his plan. God's timing's always good. And God's amazing. So, you know, I always imagined, I was convinced actually that I would have another baby. I would have more children. And um, again, you have to laugh because... When I had the opportunity to foster and Jamie came along who was an eight-year-old boy with no boundaries and more or less feral, it was a completely different story <laughs> to a new baby. But it was such a privilege to have another, another child and I couldn't have done it without Michael, without God. We were a family together and then of course we had another Jamie, <laughs> different again. 
But all through that, God was with me. Jesus was with me. He was my lifeboat captain. He gave me a buoyancy aid and kept me, my head above water, my family too. Um, All I can say is thank you, Jesus. Morning. My name is Iris. Um, I live in Ashbourne. I'm a Morelands Connect bus driver and I absolutely love my job because I'm out in God's countryside all the time. Um, I'm, like I said, from Ash- or around Ashbourne originally, but lived abroad um, in Germany for 13 years. Met my American husband there, went to America, went um, through a really nasty divorce. Um, I was raised, I should backtrack, sorry. Um, I wrote notes, but they don't make sense now. (laughs) Um, I was raised a Christian, um, mainly with a Roman Catholic background, because my father came from a very strict German um, Roman Catholic background. My mum was also German, a Christian, and believe it or not, they met over here due to the war. That's another long story. Anyway, um, um, I... uh, went over to Germany, met my American husband, and went over there. Um, I kind of went away from my faith, um, because I married a non-believer, who, at the time when we were married, was supportive, but once we were married, um, decided that God couldn't be a part of my life anymore. And I felt, due to my vows, that I should be true to him. Anyway... Um, slightly before this, I'd been having a lot of health problems and I was diagnosed with severe endometriosis and the doctor's diagnosis was an immediate hysterectomy, um, which I refused. <laughs> um, at the time, just thought it was the right thing to do. Um, I had a lot of prayer. Um, I ended up going back to a church in America, Assembly of God, and there was a lot of prayer there for me. And... Um, God spoke to me as clear as a day. He said, don't have a hysterectomy. You will have a child, I promise you. And I clung on to that with dear life. It was like a lifeline to me because all I'd ever wanted to do was be a mum and have a child that I could have the kind of loving, close relationship with that I had with my mum. Oh, sorry. Um... Years went, this was when I was 25, and I had a lot of health problems and ended up with lots of surgeries. And every time the doctors would tell me, you need a hysterectomy, and I said, no. I said, I'm not signing the consent paperwork unless you promise it's a last resort. And God was always there by my side because I ended up never having to have the hysterectomy. After a few years, um, um, the doctor, my doctors put me in contact with a Christian gynecologist who um, had real true faith and was helping women like me because she'd been through the exact same thing and she felt that was God's calling. Well, to cut a long story short, after 15 years of prayer, and it was, um, I have to say, worldwide prayer because I have family overseas. My mum lived here. I was in America. Um, although my mum thought I was obsessed, <laughs> um, God granted us my lovely, beautiful daughter. 
who's now 18, um, and it's a miracle that God promised me, um, despite all the things that people told me. And there were people that spoke over me at different churches and just confirmed what God had told me, which was good for my mum too, because it increased her faith, because my mum truly thought it was just in my head, because I was 40 when I had Selena, and it was against all the odds. The doctors said, you'll never have this child, or you you'll, won't carry her. There were so many health reasons why I should never have given birth naturally. And God was so good because I had absolutely zero pain when I gave birth. Um, it was I had contractions and I didn't know I was having them. My husband told me I had contractions because of the monitor. I mean, God is absolutely fantastic and amazing. And even in my down and out times, someone would God would send someone along by my side and just give me that bit of encouragement that I need. And I just know that God is with me always, even. I doubt him at times, I won't lie, you know, and there are times I question his motives or his purpose, but in the end, he's just amazing and he's truly faithful, and there's nothing I'm more grateful for than Selena. Hello. Hi, I was under the impression, some feedback that this was just going to be um, in front of a few, about a handful of children, <laughs> but it's obviously not. So, um, yeah, one of the things... <laughs> we're all got... Yeah, um, I'm okay with teenagers. <laughs> anyway, no, um, I thank you for asking me, actually. Um, when you said my testimony, and it was going to be between three and four minutes, I was just like, um, I don't think I'm going to fit that in. Uh, but it's, um, So I prepared a few things, but it seems very much the, the theme that God's leading us to is, um, is I also had cervical cancer. I don't know, I, I mean, I don't know, some people know my history, some people don't. As a, um, as a teenager, I had depression. Um, my mother had had depression. My, my grandmother had depression. It was a, a it was tolerable uh, um, in my teens and early twenties, and then in when I was um, tw- well, sort of mid, um, well, late mid to late twenties, I was I had such a severe uh, bout of d- depression that I was in. I was hospitalised. And I was seriously, um, well, really, 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 really poorly. Um, I had to be rehabilitated. I had to be taught how to do normal, everyday things again, cooking. And um, it took three or four years of of my life to to get right again. Um, Then um, I had some time of back... I'm a, a drum teacher, music teacher, so... On, of ordinary life again, but then I had another bout, and then there was another bout of depression, and then <laughs> just before the last bout of depression, I had uh, cancer, and then a marriage breakup. <laughs> so I had a quite a, 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 there's been a lot of things um, over the years, and um, I've, I think my um, default setting is struggle, is just struggle, struggle, and to just to get to the next day, really. Um, but obviously. We're not alone in this, and uh, I've been a Christian for about 17 years now, and um, I gave my heart to Jesus in a really desperate time, in a really, not in a, oh, um, 
you know, I choose Jesus. It was more in desperation. I need Jesus. So I, I turned to him at, at that point, and I can say, I mean, I, I, I don't know whether a lot of people will understand this, but with, from a head that was full of turmoil, um, within a day, I woke up with, with a peace in my mind where I knew um, for, for once in my life I, I could trust my thoughts, my feelings, and, and just um, have, a, have a little bit more control over my life, really, instead of the darkness and the blackness and everything just being overwhelming. It doesn't mean that I haven't gone through those things during my life as a Christian, but at least I've had, I had him to turn to every time. And uh, I think the struggle is, is with me is I have had to learn over the years. It's the times when, um, of those times, are the times you're meant to be stillest. And, and uh, you know, so his, his grace, something was said on a song earlier on, about stillness and grace and I just it just spoke to me that I think when people are in situations where they're always struggling that that that's the only way that they think that they can move forward and 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 overcome things but I found the odd time when my my struggling character has sort of either been too beaten down or 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 I've you know had one of like a moment of revelation just told myself just to stop they're the times when God's closest and that's when he really can minister to us um just recently um i had uh, had a really low time really really low and i'd got to the point where i could only only give up <laughs> that's all i could left to do i just i remember laying on my sofa and I, I i could see the hem of jesus's garment and i just held it and i just said lord i i haven't got anything left there's nothing in me there's no coping there's no anything left for me to 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 go on not that I was going to end my life or anything but I I didn't know how I was going to move forward to the to the next moment no matter the next day or week or month or year sort of thing so um but at that point I think that was the point I really had to get to because I really felt the Lord say look you're battle weary you've been in this for so long ask your friends to pray and so at the time I, I texted a few people and said look I don't, I'm British, I don't like asking for prayer, but I need, I really do need, um, you know, holding up in, in, in prayer. So that night I, uh, oh well, yeah, on that, uh, the text that I sent round, I text, it's been five years this time, it's been five years I've been ill, you know, five years, and I just feel like I'm, you know, about Mother's Day, that I'm useless I suppose I can do a little bit of something and then I'm absolutely debilitated for a day or two I have to just grasp a bit of health when I when I see it and then I feel Tom isn't getting the best of me being Mother's Day and I was just so fed up I was so tired and anyway I text the five years to 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 people um and I fell asleep in front of God God TV and about half four in the morning, I woke up and I heard um, someone prophesying. And I really felt, oh, yeah, and the Lord just said, listen, sort of thing. I turned to the TV and the bloke was talking. And, and nearly everything that he'd promised me over the years, he just was reiterating through this man. And he said, uh, and he says, sometimes, he said, a, a seed is put in the ground. Sometimes it germinates straight away. Sometimes it's in for a year. And some, he said, bamboo, are in the gr- bamboo seeds are in the ground for five years. <laughs> and I was like, whoa. So I just claimed that. He's just saying, he 
it's been a long, long stretch, but when bamboo grows, it, it grows strong and prevalent and, and quickly. So praise God. Yeah. Great. It's great to hear stories of how Jesus has made a difference in the storm. And there's three points, three quick points that I wanted to draw out. I'm a good Anglican in my background, so three points works for me. I wanted to draw out from uh, that story, and it's got real echoes in what Mandy and Iris and Andre have been sharing. So the first one, it's going to come up on the screen. The first one is move the fear aside. Sometimes we can feel so full of fear that there doesn't seem to be room for anything else. I hope this is going to work. So it's like the water filling up the glass right up to the top. There's not room for anything else. People talk about a rising sense of panic as the water rises Neil's probably feeling nervous now because I might get my own back on him for talking about the incinerator. Jesus said to his disciples, why are you afraid? Don't you have any faith at all yet? Faith and fear can't occupy the same space. So if you think of my fist as faith and I'm going to plunge it into the water... The water has to come out because the two things can't exist together. (laughs) Faith pushes fear aside, out of our hearts and out of our minds. Faith is always stronger than fear. Faith comes from God, whereas fear is our own creation. Whenever you're in the middle of a storm and you feel fear or anxiety rising... I want to encourage you uh, to try using a game. It's called Fear Says, Faith Says. So think about the fear that you have and then remind yourself of God's promises and claim them for yourself and for your situation. Just like pushing the water out of the way. So a storm might be a situation in your life, maybe an illness, a relationship that's going wrong, a tough situation at work or at school, a set of exams coming up that you're worried about, an uncertain future. Whatever it is, it's something that's making you start to feel anxious and fearful. Fear says, it's going to ruin everything. I can't live my life in the way I should or the way I want to. Faith says, God won't let anything happen to me that isn't best for my life. Romans 8, verse 28. Fear says, I don't think God even cares about me. It's like he's fast asleep. Faith says, God delights in me and sings over me. In Zephaniah 3, verse 37. Fear says, I don't think God is strong enough to deal with this situation. Faith says, 
Nothing is more powerful than God. Jeremiah 32:18. I hope you get the idea. Instead of focusing on how big the problem is that you're focusing on, it's about focusing on how big God is. As we do that, while the situation remains and may even get worse, our attitude to it starts to change. We experience fresh faith, a greater determination to pray, and we find we have the resources to deal with a situation that we didn't know was possible. I'd encourage you to write down those promises from God that he gives you so that they're on hand when you need them. Stick them around your room or your home. Write them on your hand. Get them tattooed. No, maybe not tattooed. No. So secondly, it's not all plain sailing. I often find myself wondering, why do things have to be this difficult? Something's going wrong in my life or for somebody that I care about, and it just feels so tough. Sometimes things go wrong because of sin. People mess up. Bad stuff happens as a result. But like in the boat on the lake, sometimes God allows difficult things to happen so that we can learn and grow. If there hadn't been a storm on the Lake Galilee that evening, the disciples wouldn't have grown in their faith. They would have known no more about Jesus when they got to the other side of the lake than they did when they set off. Instead, because of what happened, what they went through, they learned that Jesus has the power over nature and he can be trusted to respond, that he had complete control over that situation, that he was a very heavy sleeper. Sometimes when our difficulties arise, our first response can be to pray to God to take it away. But the Bible says we should be thankful for our trials, not in a putting a brave face on it kind of way that does, isn't very real, but to be glad of opportunities to grow in our faith, to learn new things about God and about ourselves that we wouldn't learn if we weren't in that situation. Emma's just going to read a verse from James 1 for us. That's an amazing promise. Finally, look back in thanks. It's so easy when the storm dies down and calm returns to move on with life, just relieved to get some respite from the difficulties we've been going through. We can easily forget to acknowledge how God has been with us, to thank him for his faithfulness, just as um, our friends have done this morning and to consider what we've gained from the experience. When the storm on the lake subsided, the disciples said to each other, what kind of man is this? Even the wind and waves obey him. They acknowledged what Jesus had done, and they were going to have a great story to tell others about. It's so encouraging to hear the testimony of others as we have this morning. It builds up our own faith, 
It can be a help and a comfort to us if we're going through similar situations. And it's good for us to give testimony to what Jesus is is doing in our lives. So, three things to challenge you with this morning. Face your fears with faith. Trust in the promises of God and see how your faith can grow when you do. When the storms come, be open to to see what you can learn about God and about yourself. And when the storm passes, look back in wonder and share what God has done for you with others and be an encouragement to them.